mouth, the brave side to the blind man. It's down to the left child, we will survive. It is not too good in this. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Journalist, specialist, critical and survivalist. Spitting heaven's fire from his lips. Burn a slave driver. Welcome, listeners, to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people will turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Thought I get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to abb2me.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. They broadcast from Ghana and catch the live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. In that TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream your program live, even into your car if you have the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program. With the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening media, interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace and our partnership with the bb 2 me Always interesting things placed in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.08 here in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, spring Sunday evening, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Uh, we were scheduled to have a guest in the first portion of, of the uh, show this evening. He's not with us as of now. Uh, Brother Wyborn from Each One Teach One. Uh, but um, if not, we'll transition into open form 
basically as soon as the program starts. We was planning to kind of do it maybe in the second half of the program, but uh, depending on our guests uh, coming in with us, uh, we might end up doing it in the beginning. And we'll always throw out some topics or, or different things uh, in the news uh, for discussion if you want to bring that up or you can bring up something else that's up to you. Um, and, but we'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. 
It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back. The Time for an Awakening is 7.13 here in the city of Philadelphia. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street, Brother Richard. Is with us, Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellie. How you doing now? How are you? Uh, I'm, uh, you know, Ellie. I'm, um, I'm in mourning and in disappointment. Um, I, I guess all, especially for the time for awakening audience that's um, listening to us right now, um, um, uh, a good deal of us may be aware what happened in Buffalo, um, and I'm. I'm very much, um, you know, in mourning um, for those um, lives that were lost. And I'm disappointed in, um, in, the, in the little bandwidth of space and dialogue that I hear um, um, segments of black, you know, of black thought, black talk. Black thinking. I'm disappointed in how we are framing or how we are reacting um, in just in just from the perspective of talk. And and I know I'm I'm generalizing. I'm disappointing disappointment because it seems that we are in my from my vantage point, a lot of our talk and thinking frames a a problem that we should very be be clear of, that we should be past identifying um, as uh, David Walker uh, said to us in 1828-29, who is our natural enemy. We should be very clear uh, based off of the um, historical experiences, um, what, what we're living with, and dealt with and had uh, minor victories with um, in in this society. So I'm kind of disappointed in hearing um, the response of identifying the problem compared to um, in this moment when we're seeing this aggression um, from young boys um, being able to um, come up with solutions and talk in expression of our thought and our intellectual capacity, coming up with solutions um, that um, are more not reactionary, but clearly um, proactive. Um, and again, just talk. So I'm kind of disappointed because a lot of the talk and the little bandwidth that I hear is more reactionary. 
and I see Brother Rob Borm may have um, made made it with us, and um, I don't know if that's him or not, but um, let me see because we'll we'll come back uh, to to what you were talking about, uh, Richard, because I think it's an important conversation. Uh, you talking about three four seven? Yes. Brother Rabon, is this you? Brother Rabon? No, it must not be. Okay. Um, oh, that's just my reaction. I mean, you, have you been seeing some things on, uh, I guess, uh, the social media and things in reference to it? Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 where I'm. I mean, again, I mean, it's it's not solely, but. A lot of um, in segments is the discussion is not dealing with that white nationalism is alive, well, and supported. I mean, at, at various levels. I mean, you hear Biden makes his pronouncement. You hear the governor makes his pronouncement. And you see the reaction um, of the media in characterizing. Um, it's just... You know, it's 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 a lot to get into from the perspective of uh, identifying what we already know, how inclusive. And I think we can go in to keep bringing up examples of how white nationalism, well, you know, they call it white supremacy, how certain segments of the white um, community politically have enough power to develop, educate, and execute even in this present. That boy was 18 years old. Richard, um, you know, I was watching the, um, they had a couple of interviews uh, around the 12 o'clock hour, 12 o'clock news, uh, with the press conference that uh, the, the, the mayor of Buffalo was having, uh, along with the governor of the state. And I think uh, Lisa, uh, Leela, I forgot her last name, Jane. I think it's James, Leela James is the attorney general in uh, uh, New York. Hope I got that right. If not, I guess one of the time for the audience will correct me. Um, and the mayor was saying that him, the governor, and uh, the attorney general went to church uh, that morning. And they were talking about the incident that happened. Now, a couple of things, um, Richard, I want to mention. Now, um, the governor mentioned that um, they wanted uh, Uber and Lyft to get involved and help because that's the only market in that black community of Buffalo. And without it, it's a food desert. Now, without that, with that market, it's the food desert because that wasn't even a, you know, you, you know, the popular names for markets that looked like uh, one of those second rate type of markets. Mm -hmm. But that's the one that's in that city. So, again, you got to look at leadership, that mayor that's there and the other people that's that look like me and you that's supposedly in positions of power. And the other thing, Richard, is the problem that we're facing here. Um, this is it, you know, and James Lance Taylor made a comment last week that I'm going to kind of tie in 
with this, and I'm I'm more than sure it was him and not uh, uh, um, Gerald Horn, uh, Professor Horn, when he talked about our experiences is different than no, that was Gerald Horn. Different than some of our other people that have been in contact with Europeans, whether you're in the islands or on the continent that a lot of the Europeans after a while left there. But they left a neo-colonial government in place where they could still siphon off a lot of the wealth and riches of the area, but they wouldn't necessarily be in direct contact with you. Mm-hmm. That was I think that was Gerald Horn, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Here it was different because Europeans never left. They were living here. Right. With us. Now, they always came up with schemes to get us out of here because they didn't want to envision us walking around society with them. They wanted us out of here. It didn't pan out. But we're here. So and what I'm saying is this society that we live in because of the people that are here is very violent. Some of our people, a percentage of our people are through ignorance is caught up in this violence. You see it perpetrated in our communities. But these violent acts, now, now Richard, I want you to kind of look at something and analyze something in the time for awakening audience. I was looking at a published report, and this was by NPR, that last year, 2021, there were 693 mass shootings in the United States. And they consider mass shootings four or more people killed in one spot. Mm-hmm. And that was up 13% since 2020. This year so far, it's been 198 mass shootings this year. And in week 19, according to this published report, that averages to 10 mass shootings a week. Now, that Buffalo shooting was yesterday. And just today, maybe about an hour ago, they just had a mass shooting in uh, some California church. Now, if you look at some recent mass shootings, in this country by white individuals. You got Buffalo. It just happened with several people, 10 people got killed. It was a Kroger's in Kentucky a couple of years ago where a white guy went in there and killed innocent people in the supermarket and in the parking lot. The same way this, this white boy did up here in Buffalo. You had the Waffle House shootings. I think it was a couple of them in different Waffle Houses down south. We're the same thing. Guy goes in there and shoots black folks in Waffle Houses. You had the the, the Charleston uh, shooting with that Dylan Roof went in there and killed people in the church. And after that, you had a bunch of churches being burned down south. Now, the perpetrators didn't know whether people was in there or not. They was burning the churches, and several of them burned. It was just a blessing that nobody was hurt that I can recall in any of the incidents. 
Now, all of these incidents, and I'm quite sure it was a lot more. Those are just ones that come to mind. All of these instances, instances were perpetrated by white individuals, and a lot of them young. The thing is this, because when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that the image of violence in this country is always black people, black males shooting in these cities. And I'm not saying that that stuff is not going on. Mm-hmm. But if black males in particular is the real killers in this country, then why isn't it not across the board? Now, I'm not advocating violence in what I'm saying. This is just a critical question, Richard, because these whites are killing not only them, they'll go in the movie theater, Columbine, uh, that daycare center that was up there in the, in the uh, northeast corridor of this country and kill whites. But they'll also come to your neighborhood and kill you. Now, the blacks that this country and these Europeans label is so violent. If you notice, Richard, they're only killing people in their neighborhood. And it's all, a lot of it is, is based in self-hatred. Right. Or, or anti-blackness, which is a part of whiteness. Yes. Because if they were real, quote unquote, killers, they would go in white neighborhoods and blow some of them away. Go in a white supermarket and kill people. Go Ride in an Asian. Huh? Right. 100 miles. That boy rode 200 miles. Exactly. But I'm just saying, I'm looking at the characterization. If blacks was these killers, as this this white media uh, uh, purports, then you would see blacks going all over, killing anybody, Asians, whites, going in their churches, blowing them away. You would see that. Hmm. How come this is only done among black people? That's just, like I said, I'm not advocating any violence. I'm asking a critical question. Something is wrong with this picture because these whites are not only been killing their own. They'll come into places and kill you. And, and have, and have, I mean, well, and I'm, I'm maybe, uh, you know, cause when you raise these different examples, they may seem like, and this is the way the press makes it come off. Like these are individual. I just seen they said this lone gunman, you know, where people and even black folks talking about it may be the psychological problem of this individual. But the language of these individuals in relationship to and this group that specifically, and that's all I'm concerned with, you know, maybe if you dress one, you dress it all but specifically saying they're doing this in the name of something else bigger than themselves. And it's about black folks. That's what's the Cause the history is shows that that's no new thing that raises itself over and over and over again in American society. And as you say, in American violent society, Mob violence, lynching, what goes on, you know, even with the convict, what's that, convict, convict, convict um, prisoners, what they did or do. That's what's disturbing to me when it's definitely targeted, because it's big to me, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than an individual. 
And, uh, you know, you just mentioned about this lone gunman. That's all I've been hearing on the reports. Now, this shooting just happened yesterday. 18-year-old white animal going to the supermarket and kill people that's shopping and people in the parking lot putting their groceries in the car. Now, Richard, how do you determine any other time is a if black people are killed, it's a long investigation. Mm. How do you determine after a couple of hours that he's a lone gunman? I heard that dumbass president. No, uh, no, let, let me. I'll just use their regular names. I heard Biden. He was addressing somebody yesterday, and he spoke about the shooting. And he said, "A lone gunman." Now. I just heard that mayor up there in Buffalo and the the black uh, attorney general and the, and the white governor mm-hmm. say this guy was a white supremacist, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, Richard, is something wrong with that picture? Either I'm stupid or or somebody takes me as stupid because white supremacy is a system. A white supremacist. Is part of an organization. Mm-hmm. So if you got a white boy, similar to Dylan Ruth, that went in a store, traveled 200 miles, whatever, two hours or wherever, you're, three hours, and drove to this neighborhood, knew the store to go into, knew the area was black and the supermarket, and do this, how is he a lone gunman? Mm-hmm. He's got to be a member of some organization, some family group, some group. He's not a lone gunman. But you got black elected officials that let these, I expect these white leaders to say that and white news agencies to say he's a lone gunman. But the thing that sticks under my crawl, and I expect this from some of these Uncle Toms and Thomasine, Thomasinas is that they buy into this foolishness talking about some damn lone gunman. These people are not lone gunmen. They're coming from an organization. Either they started in their house or they didn't join one. It's an organization. They're getting weapons. They've been practicing. They got high-powered weapons. They ain't going in there with no Saturday night special or whatever used to be back up. Used to be back in the day, Richard, or zip gun. They ain't got, ain't got nothing like that. The boy had an armor vest on that the, and, and this is the other thing that gets me, that the cops shot at, and it was so secure, the bullet, and he, they, the, the piece I heard, he shot multiple times and couldn't stop. This boy had a high-grade armor vest. Yeah, but he's a, he's a lone gunman, Richard. He's a lone gunman. That doesn't even make sense. That doesn't and, even make sense. And, and they bring him out alive, too, again. They should have took him to McDonald's like they took the other white animal that went in that church. They should have took him to McDonald's. Or, or, or the white boy they gave a bottle to, who also drove uh, across state and killed three people and got off and then was celebrated to get a job by congressional, white congressional leaders. So I agree with you. This is a long gun. I mean, and 
for me, and I hear you as far as not just the narrative of the black elected officials, but our narrative. Our narr- like this, you know, that we we make this like we're watching something compared to that we're a part of, and this guy is a part of a national generation. I said to myself, they they emphasize this manifesto. He's 18 years old. Now, you know, I know from personal experience, um, a young boy who was a part of the Bloods, and he's writing out um, his, you know, thing in being a Blood, and and, and I've seen it. Now, I I'm not good, no good writer. But this 18-year-old, I don't know how many pages. They said, what, 100 and something pages? <laughs> he wrote this out. This boy got skills. This yeah. boy got skills. Yeah, but he's a lone gunman, Richard. He's a lone gunman. And I think he pleaded innocent to the charges. Did I hear? Oh, yeah, I didn't hear that. I think that was the plea. So you know what to do. they're going to send him for psychiatric evaluation and all this other stuff. They just had him in court today, and I think he, they showed him being arraigned. I think he pleaded not guilty. And and and, and Elliot, uh, Elliot again, Richard. Uh, well, go ahead. Say go finish. Go ahead. Finish your point. No, I just said I'm looking at our response. Well, listen, and, and again, I'm not advocating no violence, Richard. But Buffalo, they interviewed a woman that was coming out of another store at the time in that same little strip mall. And she said she heard the shooting. And she said, you know, being this in the neighborhood, they hear shootings a lot, she said. She said when she heard the shooting, she grabbed her daughter and they ran in the other direction and ducked behind some cars. Now, you got people in the neighborhood up there. And some of them in Buffalo is just like some in, in West Philly, South Philly, North Philly. They got guns in these communities. You know, I think that board, that's the ultimate disrespect when he went in there and shot innocent black people shopping, women with children shopping at a store. Why didn't somebody go over there and handle it? They can handle this other stuff in the community, run around shooting one another. Why ain't they going in and handle that clown before them cops got there? Why wasn't that handled? I'm just I'm just throwing that out there, Richard. You know, it, uh, you know, um, May nineteenth is coming, and we're, you know, looking at um, two two points that you're making. Um, and you know Malcolm's um, birthday, you know, is coming up. Where we're acknowledging, right? Um, and I, and I and I and I was, you know, right now, as you know, I'm, I'm going to. I was looking at a quote, um, and Malcolm dealing with what what we have to do. And when he said he insisted, and you know, coming from, um, you know, right now, I'm always with um, Dr. Uh, Henderson. You know, we we had on. Um, uh, um, last week, um, Professor James Lance Taylor, and he was addressing this. And the week before, we had Gerald Horn, and 
and he was addressing this. And 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 Dr. Henderson looking at Malcolm and he said we he insisted that culture is an indispensable weapon in in the freedom struggle. And when you mention that, Elliot, it, it raises the question um that um Dr. Amos Wilson, you know, asked us in Blueprint for Black Power, he 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 asked us what kind of a culture must we construct in order to overthrow white supremacy? What kind of a culture? Because as you're saying to me, as you said, not maybe five blocks, I don't know the, how that Buffalo area is arranged, but police would say that they know there is guys who have guns that are perpetuating um, or may be engaged in acts against each other of violence. But our culture is not, um, when these incidents come up, where are they? Where is that one that said, whoa, no, you don't. Exactly. Because we are fast to do, some of us are fast to do that with one another, call it one another the N-word, you disrespected me, and all this other foolishness. This clown come in your neighborhood, travel from wherever he lived at, some suburban area, because they supposedly went to his house. And it looked like some suburban area. He didn't, he didn't live in an urban area. He traveled from his suburban area, come in your community, come to your supermarket, and kill innocent, I haven't seen the faces yet. But I assume it's society, it's women in there shopping. He killed oh, yeah. innocent people. They should have tore his d- damn, d- 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 it shouldn't have been nothing left when them cops got there. And they probably were slow getting there because they didn't know, probably didn't know what was going on. They just shooting in the black community. They, they took their time getting there. Probably, I'm a, just assuming. It was a boy in front of the White House. A brother, you know, I'm going to call him a brother. And I think he pulled out a knife after after January 16th or 6th. He just pulled out a knife. They blew that boy away. This guy, from what I'm hearing, I, you know, as you know, I only got a little bandwidth for what I, what I exposed myself to. They said they was hollering at him. Now he, you know, put the gun down, put the gun down. You gonna tell me that Nobody, none of them, and, and when I looked at the imagery, most of the cops in Buffalo that was in there around him were white, male and female. And nobody seen him as a threat. He just killed 10 people and shot the security guard. I think he was a retired police officer. Right, right. But all they did was holler at him. I mean, I mean, you know. Well, I, they they, they would have did the same for if it was you in there, Richard. They would have they would have told you to put it down and you know, and brought you out unscathed and unharmed. I didn't even see a hickey on this boy's head. I didn't see no, nothing on it. Nothing. And and this is why we have to, in our discussions, have to raise this to the position, the polit- the politics, which is what I hear you're saying in relationship to these, um, the political representatives of the communities that they're supposed to represent. You have to, Richard, because they're supposed to be the watchdogs for your community. 
you know, our people are inundated with so much. The quality of life in this country, they can't get a job. It's always racism at every door. Uh, you can't get child care. If a woman, she got to work two, three jobs if it's no man there. So sometimes there's nobody home with the children. It's so many challenges, man, that sometimes our people pull these levers and expect these people to go in there and fight for them. They do. They do. You know, you hear all this old shit half the time when stuff is happening in our communities. Oh, you don't come to the home and school meetings. Listen, I do agree with that to a certain extent. But some of these women, if they're by themselves, they can't. If they're working two, three jobs, Richard, to take care of the family, they can't go to the home and school meeting. They ain't like these white women in the suburbs, the soccer moms. They're home all day because their husbands make plenty of money to take care of their family. They don't have to work. A lot of them want to work. <laughs> so they're home. They're home. So they go to home and school meetings and bring cookies and, and, and bonbons and everything. They can do all that. And have enough income. And have enough income. To be able to support the schools, not just through their taxes, but be able to buy the supplies that the student scholars need in those schools, provide the activities that's outside the schools that enriches their development. Now, whether they still foolishly, you know, whether they still dense and dumb, is another issue, but they do have the wealth and income to provide these extracurriculum activities where in the schools our scholars go to, not only don't the families have the wealth and income, they don't even have the, you, I mean, if you look at some of the places where they get the games where they play or even the schools that they go to, that's a political issue. That's that's a distribution of resources. That's an effect on the child's um, skill development outcome. So not only is the resource, the resources not equal, so it can't even be in a comparison in relationship to what they should do, as, as I hear what you're saying. Um, no, I'm sorry, I had to shut that off. Um, Richard, um, and 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 I always kind of go back to the the uh, uh, that thing about the the representation because I think it's key. If you look at the, uh, and, and I'm gonna play this clip. I'm gonna read this. Should I play the clip first? Let me see. No, I'll read this article because you see a lot of this going on. You see a failure of people that some of our people have been sending to these offices to do anything about these situations. In fact, uh, Biden said what he said at this address yesterday as some type of thing where he had black chiefs from around the country talking about, and he repeated it again, I don't want to defund the police. I want to fund the police. So he had to, he had to, the, the black uh, commissioner from Detroit and other cities Talking about they need more money. Now, let me read this and I'm going to play a clip because it all ties in because we see a different dynamic going on. And this was a 
from a published report on the 12th, which was Thursday, and it was in the root. It says, Daniel Cameron, who refused to charge Breonna Taylor's killers, wants to be Kentucky's mayor. The Kentucky attorney general who, who tried to pull a fast one on the public when he let the cops who killed Breonna Taylor off the hook is now looking for a reward from his MAGA crowd. He wants to be the governor of Kentucky. Daniel Cameron yesterday filed the required paperwork to make his candidacy for governor official. The Associated Press reported Kentucky will elect their first, their next governor on in 2023. Cameron, a Republican, and also someone who's still, excuse me, and also someone still allowed to be a member of the Divine Nine fraternity, despite his clear disdain for helping black folks in his state, receiving justice and due process under the law, became Kentucky's first attorney general in 2019. It didn't take him long to show his red MAGA hat, which meant more to him than protecting black folks from police brutality and violence. In March 2020, Taylor, a 26-year-old emergency technician, emergency medical technician in Louisville, was killed at the police burst into her apartment on a no-knock warrant. Taylor's boyfriend, who was licensed to carry a firearm, opened fire believing the cops were intruders and the cops returned fire with dozens of shots. Cameron convened a grand jury to investigate possible charges against uh, officers who fired uh, by the Louisville Police Department. But several of the grand jurors later said that the whole proceeding was a sham. From the Associated Press, during a 2020 interview news conference to announce the grand jury's findings, Cameron says, Jurors agreed that homicide charges were not warranted against the officers because they were fired upon first. They were fired upon, I'm sorry. That prompted three of the jurors to come forward and dispute Cameron's accounts, arguing that Cameron's staff limited their scope and did not give them the opportunity to consider homicide charges against the police in Taylor's death. Last year, in an interview with the Associated Press, Cameron said those jurors can speak for themselves, but he said the grand jury ultimately decided the charges in that case. So you see that this person that wrote this article, Richard, was critical of Cameron mm-hmm. and also said that the fraternity, the Divine Nine, should kick him out. But if you look at a lot of those fraternities, including that divine nine, you got plenty of people just like him, members of those fraternities. And in the other party, that's just like him. I don't see no different than Cameron and then somebody with with thought patterns like a Kamala Harris. She's a member of the divine nine. She's not for reparations. She said we don't even live in a racist country. She said that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. is it, that's no different than how Cameron feels. But she's in the other party. But they're members of those fraternal Greek. And I'm not trying to label everybody that's a member of those Greek letter organizations. But you got a lot of them in those organizations that don't care nothing about black folks. And if you're in those organizations, you need to do something about it. 
instead of going to them parties every year and jump around and dance or whatever they call that stuff. I wasn't no member, no organization, Greek letter, whatever, dancing around and all that other bull crap. Deal with the real facts about the people that's in there, not representing you. And all they want to do is fill their pockets with money. Just like you say, Richard, and I'll use your term. A lot of them that's in politics ain't nothing but political entrepreneurs. Now, let me read. Let me let me play with um, because this came out uh, uh, two days ago, this published report. But let me read what uh, 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 Breonna Taylor's mother had to say in reference to her struggle and which uh, and her feelings about this Cameron. If I can get this thing up here. The only officer charged by the Attorney General's office in Kentucky, Brett Hankinson, was found not guilty for shooting into the, the ceiling. Not for shooting Brianna, but for shooting into the ceiling. And it was very troubling. And so we came here at the request of Tamika Palmer to meet with the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division to get a reaffirmation that what happened in Kentucky, what many of believe was a miscarriage of justice, would not impact their investigation until looking at what civil rights violations were denied to Breonna Taylor's right to live and breathe and exist as an American citizen. The most important thing is to remember that Brianna didn't deserve this, that she was at home, in her own home, minding her business, when these people kicked in her door and murdered her. For the nation, it's been two years and one day. For me, I'm trapped mm. in March the 13th, 2020. I don't know how people think I should just move on, mm -hmm. that I should just walk away from this thing. Half my life has been spent being Brianna's mother. It's the only thing I've learned to do well in my life. It's the thing that I'll die fighting for, mm -hmm. fighting to make sure she gets justice, fighting to make sure people remember that she deserves justice, fighting to remember that Kentucky failed her. Daniel Cameron failed her. I never had hope in him. I prayed, though. So now I'm here at the Department of Justice asking them to do the right thing. Because now, this is bigger than Brianna. If no one addresses this issue, they'll keep kicking in our doors and murdering us. And it's not right. It's not right. At all. So how many, how many times do we have to do this? How many, how many years are we gonna have to stand up here and beg for people to do the right thing, to continue to say that we mattered, that Brianna mattered? Just know that I'll continue to show up. I'll continue to knock down these doors, and I'll continue and remember that she was murdered in her house, and she didn't deserve it. Bridget.
Now they, yeah. uh, she said that uh, she's going to the Justice Department to try to get justice because she's frustrated because of what happened in that state. And she said she didn't have any faith in that Cameron to, that he was going to do anything about it. Now, this is the same Justice Department that said uh, about a little over a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, that they wasn't going to prosecute uh, Van Dyke for killing Waquan uh, 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 McDonald, shooting him 16 times, because they didn't, they didn't think that they had enough of, uh, evidence to, to prosecute him, to make it stick. And you remember all those stipulations that I read on the air a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So this is the same Justice Department that our people have to resort to going to. Because leadership fails them. Now, according to the person who wrote the article, and he must be a member of this fraternity, he was upset saying that he should be thrown out of that fraternity, this Cameron. Mm -hmm. Well, let me um, play another clip from a member of that same divine nine. This guy was at a picnic or a fish fry and just spewed a bunch of stupid lies out of his mouth. This is James Clyburn. Um, I got this from uh, uh, Jason Black. He might join us in a couple of weeks too, Richard. Um, let me Let me play this if I can get it. He is another member of these fraternities that's supposed to be helping black folks. And I'm not saying that all of them don't, but some of these foremost ones, they ain't nothing but Toms and Thomasinas. I messed up here. Hold on a second. This is it, Richard. I'm doing well. Listen, but I gotta gotta go, but I appreciate the uh, fish fry and everything. I did want to ask though, Reparations is a big thing. Look, reparations is big with me. I'm the only one doing the deal. Why y'all keep fucking with me on that? I'm the only one doing the deal. It's my deal. Which bill? The reparations bill. H.R. 40. H.R. 40. I've been doing it for 20 years, 30 years. And it's been around for 38. So why y'all keep telling me about a bill that's been there for 38 years? Well, older than my grandson. Yeah, yeah but 27, that bill been up there 38 years, and y'all looking at me that I'm supposed to pass We just want you to push it. I have been. Well, that's she was actually me. Tell her to push it, too. Well, she's the one that offered it. She wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, y'all need to get No, y'all need to get land that plane. Y'all need to stop this foolishness and get uh, Respectfully. That's all I'm saying. Just, just yeah, putting that out there. You know, we, we want to see that. We actually want to see that go. Well, everybody you know? want to see that go. Everybody want to see that go. Everybody. All right. All right. I want to see voting go too. It means and it well, is that my is that my problem too? I, I want to cast a vote. Is that my problem? It'd be a problem if we don't. So I want to vote. But no, I want to see some candidates. The Voting Rights Act has been destroyed by the Supreme Court. Because y'all fool around here, people don't vote. If you got Trump, and now we've lost the Voting Rights Act. Now women are about to lose the right of choice. 
simply because y'all gonna get real. Y'all gonna get real. You wanna make a headline? Let's make headway. Let's get some reparations. Richard, mm-hmm. now you see how he turn around and blame. Doing the deal. He doing the deal. Yeah. He, he going to blame the folks for not voting. Mm-hmm. And asked, was it his fault? Now, they voted for him. He's back in office and been in there for a number of decades. So what is he talking about they not voting? They voted for his ass. 38 years, he said. And he, he says Sheila Jackson Lee, he don't even talk about he supported. He didn't support. We had Cam Howard on here that said him or Cory Booker did not support that bill. He says Sheila Jackson Lee wrote it. it. What? He just told a bunch of lies to the people and then had some white guy come over there and try to defend him and tell them, tell the brother to be respectful. He lucky it wasn't me there, Richard. Hmm. You gonna come over there? What? You man, you better get out of my face. But they, I mean, they, they, come on, these people, man. I'm telling you, when is our people gonna get enough of these people? When? You can, we can do something about this. We do need leadership. I understand that, but we don't need these people. These people ain't about nothing but themselves. Go ahead, Richard. I didn't mean to cut the call. No, no, no. no. It's something that, uh, and it goes to what we have, and and I want to be consistent of for for what we have have to do in in relationship to um, your point, because you were making a point about, uh, you know, the vice president. And it's interesting. Remember, we all remember who was listening when she said that there is no racism. Right. I think that's what he said. You know, there is no race in America, no racism in America. But no, she said America is not a racist country. Right. Her and 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 Tim Scott said it. And and so I'm looking at this um, briefing, this White House briefing statement from her on, on relationship to the Buffalo shooting. And this one paragraph, she said, law enforcement is proceeding with his investigation. But what is clear is that we are seeing an epidemic of hate across our country that has been evidenced by acts of violence and intolerance. We must call it out and condemn it. Racially motivated hate crimes or acts of violence extremists are harms against us all, and we must do everything we can to ensure that our communities are safe from it. Now, it seems to me, maybe, you know, my head... My head spins a little bit, Elliot. So help me put it back, put it back in shape. But if not five months ago, there is none. Five months later, it's it's uh, all across the country, and has evidence that racially motivated hate crimes are acts of violence and or acts of violent extremists of harms against us all. She said, she said all across the country in her statement. Yep. Uh, well, uh, according to her boss and according to the white media, it's lone wolf. So it must be a lot of lone wolves all across the country. 
You, 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 see, you, see yeah. our people got to listen. I, I know people want to wave. Some people, some of our people want to wave pom poms at Kamala Harris, Ketanji Brown, Lloyd Austin, all these people. These people ain't nothing but Toms and Thomasinas. You got to understand this. Some of these people are doing these things intentionally. They're not under no illusion or not being fooled. They're doing this stuff intentionally. How do you go from not being a racist country to this stuff being all over the country, Richard? Explain that to me. And and, and we have a, a a media supporter, European media supporter, that supports this white Nash. That's the part when we center it into another um, part that um, – um, 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 Professor Henderson says in the quote in relationship to um, Malcolm is that he emphasized that armed with knowledge of the past, we we can we can with confidence charter a course of our future. We can't do that if we don't have no historical reference. If we think if we believe what they're saying, this is just something happening right now by a bunch of individuals that are not connected to each other. <laughs> Shit. Excuse me. I mean, this stuff really gets to you, man. It gets under your skin. And that's why, Elliot, it's important what, you know, and I'm going to be redundant because I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, right now, you heard me earlier, um, if we can't keep providing what is it we need to do, because we can't keep saying what they're doing, and I understand that we are dealing with a lot of trauma, a lot of things that we have to manipulate. But if we can't propagate that, the as Dr. Wilson said, that we can't answer the question and put it in play of what kind of culture must be constructed in order to overthrow white supremacy, we are going to be redundantly living from one generation to the next. We talk about, in history, about lynching. We heard, and I'm using, even Clarence Thomas in front of the, the congressional said, this ain't nothing but high-tech lynching. Well, what kind of lynching is this? When he is being able to utilize playing a game, using a gaming platform, having a camera on his head, and who is, what is the group that is watching this? Who some pay to play, but some are observing. How, they ain't even mentioned, how big is that audience? Oh, they, look, what, come on, Richard. Now, you, you're wrong, Richard. You're wrong. They don't already tell you he's a lone wolf. They didn't tell you, Richard, you don't believe him? <laughs> they don't tell you he's a lone wolf. Your president said it. The media have been saying it constantly, this lone wolf. I even heard that Leela James and the mayor up there in Buffalo said that this guy's a lone wolf. But people, and, and if he was, people were watching with the, knowing his attention for 200 miles. Yeah. Ain't nobody called the police? Ain't nobody called the state? Not only that, there, there ain't no FBI uh, what's that? What's that other one? They're supposed to be uh, 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 this, this uh, the security thing. And somebody said you got to take off your shoes when you get on a plane. Homeland Security. 
It ain't no, it ain't no, uh, CIA intelligence units, special units. They show us on these here platforms. Ain't none of them knew about this guy riding 200 miles with high grade military armor on with a manifesto online saying his view as it relates to black folks with a watching viewing audience, no one. And as you say, and he was alone. Yeah. Okay. But what are we supposed to do? And that, that goes to those politicians. If we don't select black uh, political representatives that are race conscious, then we get where we hear Kamala and we hear Clyde Moore and we hear others. Now that leadership, either we create it and that's a culture we have to do or we select it. But if we keep selecting what we get, what we do, what we selected, we're going to keep getting what we got. Yes. The math is simple to me. You know, it, uh, before we take a break, break it in a minute, then we'll go to the phones because I see some calls up here. Um, Richard, uh, it's a young brother that does the. Um, a professor of African-American studies at a, a university down in South Carolina. Um, I was interested to get him on. I found out the, the, the brother passed and he was only about 50, uh, 48. Mm. Uh, but he wrote an interesting article about um, the failure and he, he related it to uh, W.B. Du Bois when he admonished these Greek letter organizations who he was instrumental in basically starting Richard. I mean, I mean am I right? Yeah. Part of, yeah. Um, twice one in, at Howard at thir- in 1930. And then he did it again in 48. In fact, in 30 was when that divine nine, a lot of the ones was, was kind of formed. If you look back at their history, but let me read, two passages that he says here, a couple of paragraphs before we take a break. It says, historian and sociologist W.E.B. Du Bois at times openly condemned black fraternities. During the 1930 commencement address at Howard University, Du Bois stated, a quote, our college man today is on the average a man untouched by real culture. He deliberately surrenders to selfish and even silly ideals swarming into semi-professional athletics and Greek letter societies. We have in our colleges a growing mass of stupidity and indifference. Consequently, it is the conformity to Western values and social norms that have created the controversy surrounding the initial purpose of the black Greek letter organizations. Between 1906 and 1920, eight of the most prominent black Greek letter organizations were established. Many scholars have questioned whether these organizations were created in hopes of unifying the black community against the harmful effects of racial prejudice or whether they were formed by young 
African-American students in order to gain acceptance into American society by emulating existing white organizations of the period. From as early as the 1700s, blacks in America have believed that they were that there were conditions placed on them to justify equality or citizenship. These included acceptance of Christianity, participation in the military, obedience to Republican or Democratic principles. Taken together, these can be encapsulated as the be like us theory of equality. That blacks will be equal to whites when they become like whites. Another approach was an attempt to, to adjust all thought and action to the will of the greater group. Assimilation into white culture and society. A third path was a conscious effort to self-realization and agency. Richard, he gave three objectives that some of our early fathers had when they formed these organizations. And you heard what he said. Mm -hmm. I I think when you're talking about Du Bois and others who formed them, their objective was that last one that was stated here. The third path was a conscious effort at self-realization and agency, independence. Mm-hmm. But these other two is something that do you see now that's prevalent. The be, the be like us theory of equality, that blacks would be equal to whites when they become like whites. Another approach was an attempt to adjust all thought and actions to the will of the greater group assimilation into white culture and society. Is that what we're seeing now? It's, 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 it's three alternatives there that was formed. And I'm talking about from the leadership. I'm not talking about from grassroots. From the leadership, you see an assimilationist attitude and approach. It's clear. Now, I'm not saying that look, some blacks don't mind being assimilated. That's what they want. But when you talk talking about black history and, and, and reverencing uh, 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 Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass, Martin, any of these people, none of them wanted to be assimilated. None of them. They wanted freedom. And they were trying the best they could to achieve it. Mm-hmm. Let's take a brief break. And when we come back, Richard, I, I did cut down that... Uh, <laughs> That clip that you uh, gave to me, maybe we'll get a chance to play that in the second portion of the program. Okay. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, you can join the discussion by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. 
time for an awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit to you black family, to join your interconnected commit to you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. See, brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us? Or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. 
We have a message to the black man. Because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock. Nobody takes the black man serious. We're just used to be somebody's tool. We are the sportsmen. We're the singers and the dancers. And we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers and the killers and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you. Judge, how are you, Alderman? <laughs> how are you, Congressman? How are you? How are you, Reverend? <laughs> well, what can I do for you today, Reverend? You can't do nothing for me. See, that's what we got to be careful of. We got to be careful of who we bow down to. But see, when you get in your congregation and you talk this Jesus, this powerful Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father with all power in his hand, then you go with your hat in your hand to the governor, to the mayor, to the president, begging for some crumbs. You have sold your God cheap. And you make the white man downtown Disrespect all of us. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 820 here in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. And uh, we're in open form this evening. Uh, uh, we lost our guest. I guess we have to reschedule him. Uh, but you can join the conversation by down 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Uh, Richard, yes, yes. Um, you know, well, let me let me take this one call, and then I'm, I want to play that uh, that clip. Um, 
because I think it's interesting, and, and I guess I mean our, our listening audience might find it interesting also. But let me let's go to four four first four 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 four. There it is, Richard. Hey, how y'all hear me, man? Hey. Yes, sir. Hey, the name of James South Jr. Remind your name. You heard that name, James South Jr. Ja- who? James South Jr. Man, he was the guy that stopped them fools in Nashville that was shooting up their Waffle House, man. James South Jr. should be a hero, man. Okay? And, and y'all try to find him, man. He should be a hero, man. But I'm on the road right now, man. I'm in, I'm in, I have my man. I'm in Berlin, Harvard, man. Yeah, we losing you. Nobody. Yeah, I hear So, so y'all can't believe what we see on television. I hope Cameron ain't in the same frat me and Tim, man. Okay, but anyway, I'll holler at y'all, man. Two stops. I love y'all. All right, talk to you. <laughs> Richard, let me, uh, let me play this clip. Uh, you know what? Um, we talked, I think it was a couple weeks ago, when they had that vote uh, when they needed more money for this war and give the money to the Ukraine for salaries, pensions and neighborhoods and also for weapons. Uh, I think they had spent the 13.6 billion in March and I think it was got an additional 33.6 billion that uh, Biden went to Congress and asked. And plus they've been asking for other monies. You see a lot of them other monies that they've been asking for. Uh, and then they had that vote on the 13.6 billion, 33.6 billion uh, the other week, two weeks ago, when it was uh, in the past Congress, four seventeen to ten, and I think the ten votes against it was uh, Republicans. Uh, but it was, uh, basically, it was a landslide across the board, bipartisan support to give them the money. Um, that clip you sent me, Richard, was uh, interesting. Um, and I think you had another piece uh, today. Um, I don't know whether you had that handy, but I'm going to play that clip that you sent uh, for our listening audience so they can uh, understand uh, what's going on. I mean, we got an intelligent audience. They understand what's going on, but sometimes it's good to kind of hear these things to kind of reinforce uh, what you uh, believe is happening anyway. But let me let me play this, and then I want to uh, uh, share a couple of these published reports. I can uh, find this. Where where, where we at here? Here it is. More than sure this is it. The global arms bazaar is controlled by a handful of big players. From 2016 to 2020, the United States, Russia, France, China, the United Kingdom and Germany exported 80% of the world's weapons. Barring China, every country on this list is directly involved in the Ukraine conflict. 
Russia is the aggressor. The U.S., the U.K., France, and Germany are all arming Ukraine. And by the way, out of these six countries, five are permanent members of the United Nations Security Council. So much for their commitment to international peace and security. But there's one country that maintains a towering presence in the global arms bazaar, and that's the United States of America. It accounts for 37% of the global exports. And this makes the U.S. the biggest exporter of major weapons. Why does the U.S. dominate this market? Because it is home to the top five manufacturers in the world. Lockheed Martin, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, and General Dynamics. All five are American companies. Together, they sold more than $160 billion worth of weapons in 2019. As they say, war is good for business. So when Russia's war in Ukraine began, the stock prices of American defense companies soared. Shares of Raytheon shot up by 8%, General Dynamics 12%, Lockheed Martin 18%, and Northrop Grumman a whopping 22%. Weapons of many of these companies are now in the battlefields of Ukraine. I'm talking about lethal equipment like switchblade drones, armored and tactical vehicles, howitzers, javelin missiles, and thousands of rifles, pistols, machine guns, and shotguns. Since the war began, America has committed over $3 billion in weapons in Ukraine, but almost all of it came from existing American government stockpiles. Recently, we even saw some correction in stock prices of defense companies, but make no mistake, weapons contractors will emerge as the big winners of this war, of course, with some help from the U.S. government. In April, there was a classified meeting at the Pentagon. The U.S. Defense Department called their largest defense contractors. Eight CEOs attended this meeting. Also present was the U.S. Deputy Secretary of Defense. What was on the agenda? Three objectives were listed. Delivering critical supplies to Ukraine, enhancing American preparedness, and supporting allies and partners. Basically, this was the U.S. government telling these contractors, we'll need more weapons. The American stockpile is not unlimited after all. It will have to be replenished. And American lawmakers plan to pour big money into this. Feed the military-industrial complex that can churn out more weapons. Who wants the war to end? Two programs are expected to finance this procurement. One is the Pentagon's Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative. The other is the U.S. State Department's Foreign Military Financing Program. They have budgets that run into billions of dollars. The Pentagon has been given $3.5 billion to replenish the inventories. That's $1.75 billion more than what the American president asked for. The U.S. State Department's program has been boosted too. An additional $150 million was recently given for the war in Ukraine, but the U.S. president is not satisfied. Joe Biden has asked the U.S. Congress for another $33 billion. This is supposed to be aid for Ukraine. But in this package, $20 billion will be set aside just for weapons. Where do you think all that money will go? Into the pockets of defense contractors, American defense contractors. And they're absolutely unapologetic about this. Consider what the CEO of Raytheon recently said. This is Greg Hayes in January this year, well before the war in Ukraine began. We are seeing, I would say, opportunities for international sales. The tensions in Eastern Europe, the tensions in the South China Sea, all of those things are putting pressure on some of the defense spending over there. So I fully expect we are going to see some benefit from it. 
Three months after that statement, Hayes said he will not apologize for profiteering from the Ukraine war. This is what he told the Harvard Business Review. So I make no apology for that, I think. Again, recognizing we are there to defend democracy. And the fact is, eventually, we will see some benefit in the business over time. Well, that's their defense. We are defending democracy, they say, and making some money while we are at it. What do you make of these claims? Are American weapons transfers really about defending democracy? Who is buying American weapons? Let's look at some of the deals that were closed by the Biden administration. Barely weeks after Joe Biden's inauguration as president, the United States approved a sale of surface-to-air missiles to Egypt. In the following months, America sold missiles to Chile, F-16 aircraft and missiles to the Philippines, javelins to Thailand, air-to-air missiles to Saudi Arabia. None of these countries have shining human rights records. But the U.S. is selling billions of dollars worth of weapons to all of them. And American defense contractors are profiting from all these deals. But does Ukraine really need all of these weapons that are being poured into the country? What about America arming autocrats? The exit from Afghanistan was supposed to halt the American war machine. It has just shifted gears and turned towards Ukraine because for defense companies to make money, the war must... Richard, I'm going to stop it there. The war must go on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man. And 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 some of some of some of our because I'm only focusing in on our people. I, I you know the, the other folks they got to do what they got to do, but some of our people wonder why this place is so violent. Right. I remember Malcolm made a statement years ago about chickens coming home to roost. This place is vi- it was created in violence. It's very violent here, and they don't do nothing but perpetrate violence all around this globe. Every battle and war that's going on on this planet, either America is supplying one side, they're supplying the other, and sometimes they're supplying both sides. You're just seeing here that Biden, since he's been in office, he didn't sold all these javelin missiles and all to Chile, to Thailand, to Saudi Arabia. Richard, these countries ain't fighting no wars. Mm-hmm. But the... What is all these weapons being sold? Th- this is crazy. And you got black lawmakers voting for this war, these wars. Because they're told to by the party. Excuse me, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and I wanted to follow up on an article that really continues to detail what she was laying out. Go ahead. But because it's um, in an article that just came out, um, from France, um, France 24, replenishing U.S. arms supplies, a matter of urgency uh, uh, amid huge um, shipments to Ukraine. And I'm just dealing with the, you know, picking up the point that you made in relationship to the concerns on Capitol Hill. The magnitude of these arm transfers to Ukraine has prompted questions about whether the U.S. is depleting its stockpiles, especially given the need for contingency plans in case tension with North Korea, Iran, even China spirals out of control. So those other pieces that you said that she said that were said that were sold to these other co- uh, countries obviously wasn't a part of this stockpile that the, that the, the the Congress is concerned about, right? Um, in relationship to these other countries, two sen- two Senate senior House Armed Service Committee members 
have expressed concern about the U.S. Stinger inventory running down. The Pentagon has not purchased any more of them in nearly two decades, while manufacturers of Raytheon has warned it has finite supplies of the necessary parts. So they they promoting, right? I've been asking the DOD Department of Defense for almost two months for a plan to replenish our Stingers stockpile as, as well as our Javelin launch unit, Rogers told Associated Press early in, in early May. I worry with, uh, that without a, ready, a readily available replenishment or fully active production line, we can leave Ukraine and our NATO allies in a vulnerable position. I guess that's a political argument, right? Um, we can double, and I'll stop on this one. We can double production every year. The U.S. has spent about a third of its inventory of javelins and stingers. I did my own calculation, and the DOD confirms them, says Mark Canyon, a former U.S. Marine colonel and government expert on Pentagon um, budget strategy, now a senior advisor at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C. And I think that we, we should, as Black folks, be um, looking at these centers and what their, their studies in order to understand, because those obviously, like that young boy, those military-grade equipment winds up on the street of these young white nationalists. And if they're purchasing them, it still goes back. That money, regardless, even if they get it as a discount, that money still goes back to these military companies that produces these equipments, right? So we, we need to be conscientious of how much and, and to what degree. The U.S. has sent a big has sent a big portion of its stockpile of two novel drone systems, switchblades, and and Phoenix Ghost. Canyon went on saying that this is not unusual because they are relatively untested, and Washington would like a clearer idea of how they work. That's research and development, oh, man. <laughs> right? Oh, They're new systems. They're almost experimental. So it's not surprising that we would have sent sent just about all of our inventory. But then they give us a moral cry about what what is happening to the Ukraine people when they're utilizing these experimental tools that they're creating, which they purchase. Right? Whether they whether they work or not, they had to buy them. Right? And that money, that money that's allocated out of that budget, into that budget, comes from some other area that relates to us in a domestic budget. Now I'll stop, but when it says that the uh, Senate Committee of Deal uh, for the Defense, if I'm not mistaken, and I have to look it up as soon as you know, I stop. Isn't a black congressman the head of the Defense Committee? I got to look that up. Well, I, I'm not sure to be honest. So, but I, but I, know, we're, we're, I do know that Lloyd Austin used to sit on that Raytheon board. He was one of the board of directors, right? And according to the published report, uh, the the, uh, uh, the media report, Raytheon is one of the top companies in this country that's benefiting from these wars. I'll put it that way, and selling weapons experimental weapons yeah well they can be experimental or not richard they're going to kill people 
Right, exactly. People will be killed. Now, whether they intend to kill 500 and it only kills 100, it's people that's going to be killed. Let and, me, we're, and we're paying for it. Because we're our quality life, which is going into the Defense Department, is degraded because they get that money that could have been put over here. Let me let me uh, share this here uh, that coincides with that. Uh, it says uh, these members of Congress could make a profit on U.S. arms shipments to the Ukraine. Uh, some of the members of Congress stand to personally profit from Russia's war on Ukraine. At least 18 federal lawmakers or their spouses hold stock in Raytheon Technologies, Lockheed Martin, which manufactures weapons uh, Western allies are sending to the Ukraine to fight Russian invaders, according to the insider analysts of federal financial financial records. The stock holdings by members of Congress comes as the U.S. is preparing to send billions of dollars in defense aid to the Ukraine. Both companies' stocks, especially that of Lockheed Martin, has risen substantially since uh, Russia invaded the Ukraine on February 24th. Uh, and it talks about uh, what you talked about, the... Uh, the joint, the uh, stingers and the javelins. Let me just read a couple of these because I'm not going to read this whole list and I didn't even read the senators. It got a list of Congress people here, but I'll just read a few of them. Among those investing in defense contractors is Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, who bought uh, $15,000 of Lockheed Martin shares in February 22nd. Um, according to this date here, Richard. Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th. <laughs> did, did you hear me? She trying, she trying to get a, she trying to get a little payday, right? No, no, but wait a minute. Did, 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 uh, let me read this again. Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th. She bought right. $15,000 of Lockheed Martin shares on February 22nd. Two days before. Okay. That's like inside trading. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Let me read a couple of more of these before I move on. Uh, boy. Okay, here's the guy that uh, they uncovered was the bigot, and he threw it off on his wife. He was a member of the all-white country club, but then he said it was his wife, not him. <laughs> Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat from Rhode Island, held uh, up to 50,000 shares of Lockheed Martin stock. He also held between... 50,000 and 100,000 in stock of United Technologies, which he acquired from Raytheon, I guess trading. Uh, Abigail Perlman Blunt, lobbyist for Kraft Heinz, who is also wife of retiring publican Roy Blunt of Missouri, held uh, between 100,000 to 250,000 Lockheed Martin shares. Uh, Gary Peters, Democrat out of Michigan, of 15,000 shares of Raytheon stock. Oh, boy. Oh, oh, let's, uh, here's one that you're familiar with, Richard. If I can uh, pull this one up. Dwight Evans. Uh For anybody that's locally. Democrat from Pennsylvania. Held between 15,000 of United Technologies stocks, which he acquired by Raytheon stock in May 2021. He also purchased between 
and $15,000 uh, uh, worth of shares of Lockheed Martin stock. So he owned United Technology, 15000 and Lockheed Martin stock. And both of them shot through the roof, Richard. So he's benefiting from war, too. Now, I wonder when he comes on the terrestrial show in, in Philadelphia, whether he tells the people that, that he personally benefits from these wars. That's why he's voting yes, along with his brother and CBC members in Congress. Personally benefiting from war. And they're going to holler about Dr. King. Dr. King was detested war. In fact, one of the, the, the speech up there in uh in New York in 1967, when he called out all those, uh, this government for being involved in war. You remember that? Right. Now, let me share this last one here because, you know, you talked about these lone wolves, Richard, and uh, some of the black legs. I'm not worried about these white ones. They're going to say what they're going to say. But I'm talking about the black ones. They go along with these narratives. Talk about these lone wolves. Now, if you remember when they ran up in that White House on January 6th, you know, people saying Trump supporters or whatever, white supremacists, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, check this out. This is a, another published report. Uh, this was from February of this year. How companies have broken promises and funded seditionists. Now, you notice how they call them seditionists, right? right. Black people call them something else. Now, it talked about here. On January 6th, an armed, violent mob stormed the Capitol. It was the first time the building had been breached since World War, since the War of 1812. At the end of the day, the death toll stood at five. Uh, the attackers assaulted nearly 140 cop, uh, police officers. Four officers would die uh, in the following months. Lawmakers came within seconds of tragedy at the hands of rioters. The crowd con- constructed a gallows on this, the Capitol steps and chance hang Mike Pence. Now, it talked about these companies that uh, was helping fund seditionists, Richard. Now, keep in mind that the narrative out there was about lone wolves, right? Mm-hmm. Check this out. It says, since the insurrection, 717 corporations and industry groups have donated over $18 million to 143 of the 147 members of Congress who objected to the results of the 2020 election, as well as the National Republican Senatorial Committee and the National Republican Congressional Committee. Companies that pledged to stop or pause their political givings of these members have contributed a total of $4 million to insurrectionists, political groups, and other special interest groups, according to $2,381,250 directly to members of seditionist uh, caucus campaigns and leadership packs, and $2,403,000 to the NRSC and the NRCC. Boeing. Koch Industries, American Crystal, General Dynamics, Valerio Energy are at the top of the corporate donors to those who objected to the decisions in the elections uh, at their party's committees. Some companies resumed giving almost immediately after January 6th, 
Toyota, which called January 6th attack horrific and promised to reevaluate its giving criteria, poured $9 million into the pocket of nine seditionist caucus members within a month after the riot. Cigna and AT&T also resumed giving to seditionists within two months after the riot, and AT&T also contributed to both GOP party committees. After the attack, corporations rushed to pay lip service to Democratic companies, including Aflac, Ford Motors, Valerio Energy, pledged to pause donations and reevaluate re their criteria. But these performance statements would soon give way to business as usual. These companies have contributed more than $300,000 to seditionists, their party interests, and other special interest groups. Home Depot, J.P. Morgan, Delta Airlines, UPS, and many others issued statements speaking out against new voting laws uh, as being racist in Georgia while giving millions to other companies, including uh, American Airlines, General Motors, Johnson & Johnson. Look at wait, wait a minute, Richard. Look at all these companies that I just mentioned. That's been giving to these so-called seditionists. See, I like the way white media kind of cleans up their language. Mm -hmm. Seditionists. White folks call them, I mean, black folks call them supremacist organizations. Mm -hmm. Now you see how these people are so well-funded. And, and, and when we call them supremacists, because you see how even, I think even Biden at one point was say, saying that, you know, you notice how the political establishment started using white supremacists, or at least the media. But these are white nationalists. Certainly they are. Look at these companies that's been given to them. Listen, it ain't Bobo the Clown companies you don't realize or recognize. Look at these companies that's given to these people. They're, Look at they're, they're labor union workers. They're skilled workers. They're their back office support people. They're the, they're the ones who vote for those representatives that are sitting in those positions. This is no different than using the historical framework of after Reconstruction. What happened? Those those generals were they got trained. Both sides got trained at West Point together, and they say that's the bloodiest war that have ever been fought in America by Americans. And it was supposed to be, depending on whose side about for black folks, right? But look what happened afterwards. Du Bois writes about it in Reconstruction, right? What, how they turned those states back over to those, because who is the principal party that America is supposed to support? White nationalists. They the militia. They the ones in Tulsa that was able to go to the armory and get the, get the airplane and the bombs to throw down on the, on the people. I don't, I some, you know, we, we have to keep this codified for what's real. <laughs> I think Elliot. Yeah. Well, we see it here and in, in, according to their published reports, I didn't write it. Companies that pledge to stop or pause their political givings to these members have contributed over 4,078,785,000 to insurrectionists, political groups, including 2,381,000 directly to members of seditionist caucus campaigns. 
why are they clear? They, they love to clean up that language when it comes to white folks. What's a seditionist caucus campaign, Richard? But a white supremacist organization. What's a seditionist caucus campaign? What is, what is that? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Ask members of the Divine Nine. Ask Jim Clyburn, what's a seditionist caucus campaign? Ask Kamala Harris. She told you that this is not a racist country. Ask Tim Scott. Ask Daniel Cameron. Ask your elected officials. Ask that clown, uh, 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 damn, I forgot his name, Richard, just that quick, <laughs> in Pennsylvania, that, that, oh. that be on the radio on Saturday morning. Ask right. him. Say that again. Yeah, ask Evans. And and when you're asking Evans who's these uh, seditionist caucus campaigns, ask him why are you benefiting directly from these so-called war, proxy wars all over the world? While people in your neighborhood is hungry and in the street. These people are a disgrace. Stop voting for these people. Join some of these independent black organizations and develop your own candidates out of your community to direct resources to your communities and help the people out instead of these political entrepreneurs. We can do better than this. We can't keep analyzing. But these boys ain't analyzing. No, no. They're doing what they're doing. Let's go to a couple of these calls and go to the phones. Let's go to 347. Any questions? 347? 347. Let's put them back on hold. Let's go to 267. 267, are you there? 267. Let's go to 215. 215. Good evening, Brother Elliot. Good evening, Brother Richard. How y'all brothers doing tonight? Yes, sir. What's happening? Oh, it's a lot going on, Brother Ellen and Richard. And, you know, Ellen, before you, I don't even know where to start. You and Richard threw so many things out that y'all got my head spinning. Brother Richard had me laughing earlier when you said about spinning around, my head spinning. Oh, by the way, Brother Richard, I went down on, on the sister told you I went down to redo my membership at the uh, African Art Museum the other week, Brother Richard. Yeah, she told she told me that somebody came by, and she said, yeah. I should down his name. But now yeah, I yeah. was you. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome, Brother Richard. You know, I guess I call talk about Buffalo first and foremost. I got the personal uh, connection with that. But you know, when you talk about the United States, Ellen, you mentioned about how they had them sold weapons to Chile. You know, as you are, as you know, you and Richard, y'all been brothers that study history. United States always on the wrong side of everything. That's why I say that Dr. King said you're the perpetrators of wars around the world when he made that famous speech up at Riverside Baptist Church. In 1973, when Richard Nixon, it doesn't matter whether it's Nixon in office or this idiot that's in office now, Biden, it doesn't matter. The devil is the devil, whether they be Republican or Democrat, white men or white men. That's like, you know, like Malcolm said, they play that game with us, that Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal nonsense. Well, anyway, Democratically elected leader of Chile, name was Allende, Allende, who was a good brother, good brother. He was, he, 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 he women was, when he got in office back in the early 70s, there was, in the United States, they like democracy, where the people over there in Chile voted for him and stuff, and it was a fair election, and it wasn't no cheating. He won fair and fair, but the United States didn't like him, because he didn't want to, he didn't want to play ball with them. So and he he was women had rights over there. They was being educated. The the, the country was prospering economically because he didn't want to be a toy in the, of the United States. They had him overthrown, and they put this thug in there named Pinochet, who y'all well aware of, Augusta Pinochet, who was a brutal thug. The 
of like the Sharvey Rand was, a brutal thug, murdered people. And here's the twist of that. It was a sister that was a singer, a Killian sister who was a singer. She she committed suicide back in uh, in uh, I think it was, I forgot back. She committed suicide back in the late sixties and stuff. Well, anyway, she was she was like she was kind of like the Nina Simone of her people. You know, she sung revolutionary songs. Well, anyway, long story short, the brother that helped that was one of her biggest supporters. He he was in government. After after Brother Yende was overthrown by the, the CIA and everything, this brother was brutally murdered by Augusta Penisei's thugs and stuff like that. I mean, this man was just a, a brutal murderer. In the United States, and, and, and even after uh, Nixon got kicked out of office, all the rest of the, the devil presidents, the only one that, 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 that spoke out against him and stuff, and he should have he, he did it more, but he did speak out some against him, but he, he was more outspoken after he left office, President Carter. But all the other succeeding presidents, Clinton, uh, 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 Clinton, uh, Reagan, all of them, they all supported this murderous thug, Pinochet, a cold-blooded killer and a thug who was propped up by the United States. And they did the same thing, like I said, in Iran. When they, when they democratically elected the people of Persia, which is called Iran, elected Mohammed Mossadegh, who was, their, who was their elected leader. They didn't like him, so they put the brutal Shah of Iran in there. So my point, Ellen, is this country is always on the wrong side of everything. These are some evil-ass white people, and people need to, need to stop sugarcoating it and call these people who they are. They are evil. They support every brutal thug around the world. Now, they, now they love to sit there and call Saddam Hussein a thug and everything now, but, but when he was fighting the proxy war against Iran, like you said, Ellen, they were supplying both sides, the Reagan administration and Bush that was giving weapons to Iran and to Iraq to kill each other. You had two Islamic nations killing each other and stuff. But when, when Saddam Hussein no longer served their purpose, then all of a sudden he's a thug now. They did the same thing with, with the brother in Panama, Noriega. He was on their payroll, but when he got too big for his britches, they had to slap him down. These people are so evil and this. So you get in bed with this white devil and this white man, you better understand what you're dealing with, because as soon as you step out of your line and he got no more use for you, oh, he's going to slap you down. He'll slap you down in the worst way. They got no moral coppers. These people have no moral coppers. They're all about money. Every, they will sell their own mother and father down the drain if it means making a buck. These people have no moral compass, man. You know, and it's sad, Ellen. I'm glad you put up Dwight Evans. He's a disgrace. Now, here you get on that radio station every week talking about some you love Dr. King and you celebrate his birthday in January and you benefit from this war machine. You know, you brought stock in Lockheed Martin and all these other uh, war-type companies and stuff to supply weapons and stuff to kill people around the world. He is a disgrace. But like you said, Ellen, he won't say that. On WRD, he won't, and 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 the clueless host who's who, who's an airhead, she's not gonna bring it up to him. So so he pretty much get unscathed, and they don't take calls, they, they don't they don't let nobody question him when he get on there. So he pretty much get a free ride out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a sin to shame, and that's why I keep our people see it. See, Ali, when, 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 when Brother Richard made the statement earlier, when Richard said, well, you know, we, you keep voting for these kind of people, you get what you get. And, 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 and uh, how many times have I said, you, you, you and Richard can play tapes that I made this year, last year, the year before, where I keep saying it, like Albert Einstein. The definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. How many times have I got to keep saying this? As long as black folk in this country, and I'm not blaming us because when we know better, we do better, but as long as we're in a political ignorance and we keep on voting for these individuals on the sin, I say it all the time, on the city, state, and federal level, we're going to keep getting what we're getting. We're gonna, our children continue to go to piss-poor schools with asbestos, uh, 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 rusty water coming out of the fountains, 
not toilet paper in the schools, inadequate uh, sports facilities, gymnasium, inadequate uh, textbook, tourism, poor teachers. We're going to continue to get this as long as we keep voting for these individuals on in the city, state, or federal level. As Brother Richard said, when we start electing more progressive, conscious brothers and sisters on these on these on the city, state, and federal level, then you'll start seeing changes. But as long as we keep on electing the Kamala Harris's of the world, the Dwight Evans, the Lloyd Austins, the Daniel Camerons of the world, we gonna keep getting what we get. I mean, man, look, man, I'm not no rocket star. I'm not the brightest light bulb in the room. But damn it, I got enough common sense. Cause common sense is not always common. You have to be on no rocket scientist to figure this out. As long as you keep on voting for them kind of individuals, you gonna keep getting. It'll be if, 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 if the declare to bless you, man, which to still be here. 30, 40, 50 years from now, we still be here. Brother, we, we, our people still be going through the same thing. We still be on the radio talking about what our, how, how schools are bad, how crime is running right in our neighborhoods, our brothers getting gunned down, right, this and that. We'll still be going through the same damn thing as long as he voting for these kind of individuals. We start people like Cynthia McKinney again, Dave Richardson. I mean, I'm just giving these certain examples and stuff. The old Maxie, I, I know Jay got an issue with Maxie. Well, I'm talking the old Maxie. Well, I'm not talking the one that's in there now, but, but the fiery brand Maxie. We started, when you start electing people like that, they really care about their people, then you'll start seeing changes. But as long as we keep on voting for these individuals that I just mentioned, we're going to keep getting what we get, man. I'm, see, see, one thing about me, I, I see things from a realistic standpoint. Cause I see how the game is played. I know these niggas like Brother Richardson, they political entrepreneurs. They don't give a damn about it. We got a city councilman here in Philadelphia. Who's the private city council? This he's the prime example of a disgraceful Negro. He 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 used North Philadelphia as a, as his home address. He got a big half million dollar crib over Cherry Hill, New Jersey. We living with his white brethren over there. I mean, they just play games with our people, man. You know what I mean, I mean, just the, 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 the beat just goes on and on and on, man. You just get tired of the foolishness, man. You know. And now let me ask you and Richard this: When y'all played that sister talking about? The war, American War Machine. Who was she? Who was that lady? Because I, I didn't get her name. Uh, Rich, Richard gave me that uh, clip. Um, I'm, I'm not sure of her. She's a correspondent from a um, news outlet that comes okay. primarily India, Indian news outlet. Oh, cool. So I, I like this Indian sister. She was speaking. She was speaking number two on that on that clip y'all played. And another one um, when y'all played that clip of that congressman who was getting all sarcastic and had the white boy jump over there. Who was that Negro? It's Climber. Oh, that was Climber. See, see, see what I'm saying? See, yeah, see, oh, I, see again. I, I can't say I'm surprised. That's, I can't. You know, as you know, I can't stand that Negro. He's an arrogant, nasty Negro man to sit here and talk and then he don't blame black. And see how you see the same thing has been set up now. If the Democrat Party, forget about what happened on Tuesday, that's just primary. The big thing is in November, the general election. If the Democrats get their ass kicked in November, you're going to have people like Clyburn. It hurt me well, Richard and Elliot. You're going to have people like Clyburn and, and these ignorant hosts on the, on the terrestrial radio station. They're not going to blame white races. They're going to blame black people. Because even to this day, Elliot, when even white folks in, it, in, in a moment of, uh, of, I guess you want to say, a moment of being woke, if you want to use that for lack of a better word, they even admit that the reason why Donald Trump won in 2016 was because, not because black people didn't vote, because black people vote like they always vote for Democrats, 90% town for Hillary Clinton, even though she didn't deserve none of our votes for her for a racist-ass history. But nevertheless, black people still voted for that, Huzzy, 90% clip. 
Hillary lost not because of black people. She lost because of white women. And this is Dr. This is not my. This is not me saying this, Elliot. This is white folks saying this. She lost because white women across the country that normally vote Democrat voted for, for for Donald Trump. And I'm not talking about some ignorant white woman down in Kensington that was poor on crack. I'm talking about white women, Richard, that was college educated. Like you said, Elliot, suburban white women, soccer moms, if you will, they voted in Joe's over Donald Trump, for Donald Trump. And by the way, these are the same white women that want to be put on these black women with them to protest in front of these, these Supreme Court justices' house now. They feel as though the abortion rights is going to be taken away from them. So, but see, again, but these handkerchief-headed niggas like Clyborne and them, they don't blame white women. They blame black people. And they, 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 they're setting up the same scenario now. So if the Democrats get their ass kicked in November, they're going to blame black people. And we got to see we got to start calling them Negroes out for that stuff. Now, I don't want to hear that stuff out of y'all mouth about some black people because of y'all losing. Y'all Negroes losing. Y'all a sorry-ass party. Y'all don't stand for nothing. All you are, like Brother Richard says, political entrepreneurs. You sit there and go along with the, to get along. You voting for war and mayhem while your communities across the country going to hell in the handbasket, and you got the nerve to blame black people. Now, blame your white, your, your, your own, I mean, your white brethren on both sides of the aisle. Blame Joe. I get so tired I heard these niggas get on radio tell them, oh man, uh, 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 all the Republicans, they, 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 they voted against uh, uh, the Build Back Better plan. They, uh, they, they, all the Republicans voted against the abortion thing. When you got Joe Manchin and Tristan Seller right in your own party voting right along with their brethren on the other side. Man, I don't want to hear all that foolishness, man. Come on, man. You know, you just get tired of the foolishness, man. You got two so-called Democrats, if you will, voting right with their white brethren on the other side of the aisle. He's talking about some of the, the Republicans. Come on, man. You know, I mean, these, these, these people that talk to you, Ellen, which you're like, you stupid, man. You know, just the, the game is being while people just getting, getting like, like, like they, they peeing in your face and telling you it's raining. Like Malcolm said, you're a chump. You know, you put the Democrat Party first and they put you last. And Joe Biden, he sit up there now talking about something. Well, you know, we got to we got to continue to uh, 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 support Ukraine military. He can keep, he can keep asking Congress so much. Put the war machine while black people who voted for him, the base of his party, his sorry ass when he'd be in office was it was for black people. He can't find nothing, no kind of economic relief for black folks to put him in office, but he can find money for his white brother in the Ukraine. And you got silly niggas on radio and TV. Oh, I, I stand with the president. I stand with Ukraine while your people going down and down, like, like the minister said on that clip. And by the way, the minister just turned 88. Last Wednesday, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan just turned 88 years old, and Brother Malcolm, as Richard alluded to earlier, his birthday, Malcolm be, would, be, would be 90-something years. I forgot his exact year. He'd be 90, he would be 90-something years old uh, this coming Thursday. So I just want to you know, make that shout-out to those two two great brothers right there. But let me say this before I go, Elliot, on, on, on Buffalo. As I said, Brother Elliot, you know, that's, that's a, that thing Buffalo was posted for me, and I, and I, and I heard the, the, the motion in your voice, Richard, when you came on with Elliot tonight, because I got family in Buffalo. Half, half, half of the family on my mother's side of the family is, is, is Buffalo living there, and my family ain't just no recent transplants. I got relatives, you know, a lot of out the great migration from the South, when we, our families left the southern states like the North Carolinas, the South Carolinas, the Virginias, and, and Tennessees, and, uh, and went up north. Well, some, some of my family, a lot of them, as you know, Elliot and Richard, they went to Philadelphia. But a lot of my family went to Buffalo, and I got, I got aunts and uncles that moved to Buffalo back in the 50s. They left North Carolina, which my mother's from. They all went to, a lot of them went to uh, Buffalo. And they've been living there since the 1950s. So I done, like I said, I've been to Buffalo so many times. I, I, I kind of know my way around the city a little bit. I've been there so many times. And, and like I said, Ellen, and for the time, 
listening audience. But have left to God a lie because I mean I've been I said it's not it's for no hype no no hyper hole or superlatives. I said because it's the truth. My sister's life could have been taken yesterday because my sister goes to that supermarket with his white thug, with his white piece of garbage, did, did what he did yesterday. She market car top supermarket. She frequents that market every day. That supermarket, Richard Nelly, is about three-minute walk from my sister's house because my sister lives on Madison Avenue. It's about three-minute walk from my sister's house. I've probably been there a couple of times. She didn't took me to about every store up there in Buffalo and stuff. So I've probably been there a few times. don't even remember. But anyway, she went to that store yesterday morning because it opens up around 6, 7 in the morning like most markets do and stays open to about 10, 11 o'clock at night like most markets do. Well, she went there around 9 o'clock, 9.30 yesterday morning, did her food shopping, and, and came on home. But the, that, that that white animal, if you will, he went there between the hours, I guess, 2 and 4 o'clock when that massacre happened. So if my sister would have been in that store, she, she it's a great chance she may have been killed uh, with, the, with the other individuals. My heart goes out to the families of those deceased. I know them families going through pain right now, and I just pray to Allah that he relieves the pain and, and, and get them people comfort right now. I know they know that their mother or father went to that store and they didn't come home. And, man, I, my heart, I just I don't have words to describe what they're going through right now. And, 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 and to show you, Elliot and Richard, how things, how fate can be sometimes, not only was my sister's life spared, because she because she went early in the day and she if she has on Saturdays by the way she had went in the afternoon around that time but just for whatever reason yesterday she went in the morning call it fate whatever you know it just wasn't her time I guess you could say that but my point is that not only was her life spared Ellen Richard but my my sister's uh, uh, grandchildren who's my great nephews one of his friends his name is Jordan young man sixteen years old he works at that store he works at the stock where he stocks shelves. He was supposed to work yesterday, but early in the week, he he got permission to be off because yesterday was his birthday. He would have been there. So it's a chance he could have been killed. But, but, but at the time, Ellen Richard, my sister and, and, and my nephews, they didn't know that he was working. When they could, could they call their cell phone because they knew he worked there, and they thought he was dead. So they kept calling their phone and smell. So they got worried that he might have been one of the victims. So my sister, she took her upon her. She got in her car, and she drove to the young man's house, and his mother answered the door, and, and she told, and she assured my sister that, that he was okay, that he was out celebrating his birthday with a, with a relative. So that, that, was a, that was a relief off my sister's mind, knowing that this young man was alive, you know, because he would have normally been there, but he took off for his birthday. So it just shows you, Ellen Richard, how fake can be sometimes, man, because he could have very well been there when this white animal came in the store and did what he did yesterday. But you know... But you know what's amazing? And I close with these last couple of comments. You know what's amazing, Ellen Richard? You notice how the white cops, when they surrounded this 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 piece of garbage, they 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 kept him, put the gun down, put the gun down, and and they, and they brought him in alive. And like you said, like for all we know, they might have took him to McDonald's or Burgers, and we don't know. They may have one shot if they did. But the point is that they hit, they treated him with kid gloves. He just gunned down ten people. He got treated with kid gloves. You had a brother in Grand Rapids, Michigan, about a month a month ago. Uh, a Lloyd, who had no gun whatsoever, he gets his brains blown out. They shot in the back of the head. You know, white boys shoot up markets. They shoot up movie theaters, and the white devil cops, their white brethren, bring them out and and, and stuff alive. This white boy, Kyle Rittenhouse, this thug, he crossed. I mean, think about what he did. He crossed state lines back here and killed two people and, and, and started and was instigating stuff, just like Zimmerman did with Trayvon, instigated stuff. He kills two people and claims self-defense and he gets off. 
Same with Zimmerman. The you the police dispatcher saying, telling Zimmerman, leave Trayvon alone. Don't bother him. This boy, mind is walking, mind his own business, coming back from the store to, to, to watch the second half of the basketball game. Got sticky Skittles and a soda in his pocket or his bag, whatever. He gets accosted by this thug. He instigated this stuff with Trayvon. And when he's getting his little punk ass kicked, he pulls out a gun and shoots Trayvon in cold blood, and he trains self-defense. I mean, this is what we have to this is what this is. And Richard, this is why black people got to be vigilant. Like you said, Ellen, we got to be vigilant, man, and know what we're dealing with with these people, man, because these people are inhumane. They are, oh, man, Ellen, let me, let me, I'm getting worked, choked up, man, but let, but let me say this, and I, and I promise that I get off. Brother Elliot, let me say this clearly, you and Richard. What y'all said earlier, Miss Resident, when y'all talking about these brothers, these so-called gangbangers, these thug brothers that's so bad, they'll shoot you and me and Richard in the heart, but you walk past them, you look at them wrong way. Hey, dog, what the hell are you looking at? I'm ready to shoot you. But you let this punk-ass white boy come into your damn neighborhood and shut up your damn store. Like you said, why the hell do you go handle that? Why the hell did you go handle that? You had you should have you had a hand Philadelphia just the other day. The young brother pumping gas at the gas station up on Miami Avenue, sitting in Miami. He gets gunned down over some beef they allegedly had. You shoot this brother pumping his gas, but you let a little white pump come into your damn kid and shut your damn store. Why didn't you handle that? You know what I'm saying? Why didn't you handle that? You know, like you said earlier, it should have been no people should be no more that white boy left by the time the police got there. And I was told this last thing, and I promise I'm off. I never forget here in West Philadelphia. It opened up the upper derby about six, seven, eight years ago. A, a, a sister was, 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 had just got out of her car, and some white boy came up. It was some white boy she had a relationship, previously had a relationship with. They got into some kind of argument, and the white boy grabbed the sister. Right in front of all these brothers, and, and I swear to God, my hand before I lie, these some of these brothers had guns on them. They standing right there, right there, they sick Night the market. They standing right there while this white boy grabbing on his sister. He's screaming and howling and said, he, he hurt me. He take me to the car. He forced into the car. These niggas were standing right there and then someone had guns on him. He wouldn't do a damn thing. This white boy took the sister in the car, drove off, killed her, and threw her body in an embankment somewhere. And the niggas were standing right there. You heard, you heard me, Ellie? Yeah. Didn't do nothing to help that sister. They so damn bad. They'll shoot a shoot a brother over something stupid, but this white boy can, can grab a sister and you standing right there with, with a damn gun in your back in your in your waistband. You shoot another brother for something stupid. But you let this white boy kill that sister like that. Man, come on with this nonsense, man. I just go boy, I tell you, they just filled me up. Why did you say why the hell didn't you handle that yesterday? Had you maybe handled it, you might have could have saved a couple more lives there. Had you handled that like you handle each other over something stupid. You know, but thanks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get off with that, man. I'm getting, too, I'm getting worked up, man. I'm gonna get off with that. Thanks, Ellie, for letting me express myself, man. Uh, and I'll listen to the rest of the show, okay, Ellie? Put me on mute. All right, take it easy. All right. Uh, caller. Hello. Yes, sir. Yeah, greetings, brothers. This is Brother Marisa calling you from New York City. Greetings to you and Brother Richard. How are you, sir? Um, I'm doing fine, man, and I was definitely uh, moved by the last brother sharing his, his, his experience, and we thank God that uh, his family is safe and blessed. Uh, there's a couple of different things I wanted to address, and I'm, I, I, I'll, I'll try to be as quick as, as, as um, possible. Uh, I listened to your show last week, and, and I thought about something, and I wanted to uh, have opportunity to talk about the mayor in, in, in Buffalo. Most people don't know that Mayor, mayor Byron Brown he won his reelection by a, a write-in vote. He lost the primary to this uh, 
who the media identified as woman as India Watson as a, a socialist. Mm-hmm. So he lost the Democratic primary and stuff, and he ran in the, as a writing vote. And, you know, so I'm, I'm prefacing all that information to let you know that don't be surprised by what come up, comes out of this whole situation in terms of what the investigation will We'll talk. We'll talk about because uh, it, you know you can indict a ham sandwich, but doesn't mean you can convict it. You can get charges brought against anybody, but don't mean they, they can be convicted. Now, in this situation, maybe you say it's such uh, there's an overwhelming amount of inf- uh, information out there that this guy won't get away with it. But I'm just I'm just looking at the politics of the city itself. You know, the Republicans supported Brown, this black mayor that's in there right now, who had been in office for 15 years before that. And nothing happened in, in Buffalo. And then they sent him a message congratulating him when he, we won uh, in office. So it's interesting seeing him sitting up there with Kathy Hochul and with for Letitia James, uh, the, the attorney general, because none of them actually supported him. So this is interesting how the politics of it, even though he might be listed as a Democrat, this was his support came through write-ins and the, and the Republicans supported him. So just be aware of that about their brother up there in Buffalo. Don't be surprised by that. Now, the other thing that I think is very interesting, and, and, you know, you brothers are talking about this, but I want we talked about media. But understand something about media for, for one second. The numbers came out in terms of uh, the, the, the ratings on, on, on uh, uh, cable, right, for example. The top ten shows on cable are all Fox shows. Tucker Carlson leading the way. He has something like 3.8 million people to listen to him. And coming all top 10 shows, number 11 is Rachel Maddow, but the top 10 are all on Fox. So what is the narrative that's being put out there that people are listening to? This is narrative we have to take back America again. This country is failing. Your life is changing. And then when you talk about this whole idea, they talk about this manifesto that this guy is is talking about. And and this is just these white seditionists. Well, just, just for example... MIT, for example, let's just talk about MIT for one second, right? Uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, supposed to be well-respected institution. They did a study that started back in 1972 that predicted that the world will, the world society will collapse. Can you guess what year they said it was going to collapse in? Can everybody guess? Take a guess, Richard. What year you think it's going to collapse in? Twenty-five. Twenty-five. 2040. What happens in 2040? Black, black, uh, this country will be browning in 2040. The white population will be reduced so there's a point because their birth rates are going down. Don't think that this whole thing with this, uh, this, with this uh, Supreme Court is about black people. It's not. Don't let them fool you with the narrative. Black, white birth rates are failing all over the world. Mm-hmm. They're declining. They can see the numbers, and they know that it's going to be black and brown, quote-unquote, that'll be in charge. And MIT, with a supercomputer, predicted this. In 2040, the collapse of society. So what do you think these young people are thinking about? Because they, they're, they're, they're being told all over the place that their future's in jeopardy. I, I mentioned to, to Elliot when, when they were talking about this whole thing with Harvard, for example, with the reparations. And um, Nelson Mandela's daughter was speaking, and she said that the problem they've been having over in South Africa is not with older white races. It's these young white races that they've been having the problem with. There's been a resurgence of it because people feel that they're losing something 
that they, they quote unquote they never had, the black people never had. Why are we again being surprised by what what the, what people are doing? We forgot about the 1877 compromise where they got rid of Reconstruction and and and, and then they got the presidency in return. These are things that this part of the political process that we should not be surprised about. I'm not I'm not surprised by any of it. And in, and when we talk about how um, and and I feel the same way you brothers do because I said to myself it's interesting you can't even get stopped for for a, a, a traffic stop and make it out alive but this dude could kill this many people shoot at the police and he's alive and this has been consistent throughout every time they do it and I said my I said to myself if a few of them ended up on their back fill the holes maybe they wouldn't be thinking about it if they was if it was some type of consequence because they'll put them in PC. And he'll sit there and, you know, he'll be taken care of and they'll watch out for him. And the Aryan brothers that are locked up with him will be, you know, he'll be, he'll be their hero and stuff. And, he'll, you know, he'll live, a, he'll live a life, who knows of how long in jail. But that doesn't help those people that's been impacted, those brothers and sisters who lost loved ones. The, you know, there was a woman that they were talking about. She worked 25 years within that particular community where she had a, she, she had a food pantry. That she, for 25 years, she was 80-something years old. And you think about that. Why is that important? You just mentioned it. That's a food desert. You just mentioned it. A food desert where people are struggling just to have the basic necessities. And then when you talk about um, what they're doing with this bill, I, I just want to quickly comment on it. I don't want to stay on it too long because I know other people want to comment. They they raised it, they raised it from $33 billion to $40 billion. Okay. And of course, you're, the, the you're talking about to the, to the Ukraine, right? To the Ukraine, right? Okay. They raised the forty billion now. Oh, right? okay. They increased the funding. Oh, yeah, they increased it. Oh, wow. And what happened is in the Senate right now, and what and 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 guess who's holding it up? <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gonna never believe it, and it, 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 but but one of the because I think he's a racist anyway. <laughs> but um, it, it ain't it ain't Mitch McConnell. It certainly is not. It's Rand Paul. Okay. Rand Paul gave a speech the other day, which I watched, and I was shocked. He said, how are we justifying sending all this money over there, and you got people here that can't even pay their, their gas bill, their electric bill, can't even get milk in this, for their babies and stuff, can't even get, put gas into their car to go to work, and you're talking about spending all this other money and sending it overseas. It's absolutely, He said it's absolutely ridiculous. And on this one, he's 100% right. The first time you see the Senate actually come together on anything, Chuck Schumer stood there with Mitch McConnell together talking about <laughs> supporting this bill. <laughs> Unbelievable. <man. laughs> and, I, wow. and I got one more thing I want to say real quick, and then I, this is my last comment. May 2nd is the anniversary of a, of a Supreme Court case that nobody even talks about anymore, Collender versus Lawson. I just did a, a show on it just recently. Why is that important? Because I always tell people that in this world, in this country, black people live under what do we call, I call a limited freedom. Collender was dealing with this black guy that lived in his, in San Diego that whenever he walked down the street or came out of his house because he was living in the actual, uh, quote, next to the affluent area, the police kept stopping him. They stopped him 15 times in citations for calling for loitering and asking a question of why, what is he doing? Just like they do, did in South Africa, right? Get, you know, when they, the police used to stop, you have to present your papers, whatever they want to present his his um, his uh, identification and want to know why he was in this area 
and if it was credible, and that credibility is up to the officer to decide. He won. No black person would take, no no lawyer would take his case. He won. He won, and they appealed it all the way to the Supreme Court, and he won. He won a 7-2 decision. That was May 2nd, 1983. You look it up, Colander versus Lawson, Edward Lawson, a black man who was wearing dreads back in the 80s. And even there's even a clip on Oprah that even talks about it where this woman was saying to him, well, I understand why the police stopped you because I was afraid. You know, I can see I'm afraid of you now. He said, what are you afraid of? Just the way you look, just the way you dress. Because it's that narrative within their mindset that there's this fear because they they can't understand how black people can be so forgiving for what this country has done to them. And I'm, I'm off now. <laughs> Brother Reese, thanks for the contribution, man. I'll definitely look up that case. Too. But it, Calendar, C- Calendar versus Lawson, he said. Yeah. Okay. Richard, interesting conversation, man. I guess we'll reach back out to uh, yeah, Brother, Brother Rob Bourne and, and uh, kind of reschedule him for, uh, for another time. Um, and. Uh, kind of put together some things. I, I saw that uh, uh, Brother Khalid was on uh, the Carl Nelson show the other day. I know he was probably uh, billboarding the uh, uh, the independent uh, uh, political convention. Uh, I got to get the, in fact, he was going to send me um, uh, some of the announcements so I can start reading them on the uh, program. But I guess they'll be on within the next couple of weeks or so. And then uh, we can, can kind of uh, look go a little further into the conversation. All right. Uh, before we uh, wind up things tonight, let me uh, go over the lineup on time for an Awakening Media Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting dialogue and conversation on African Perspectives. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I think uh, Brother Oshi is on uh, visiting family up there in Milwaukee, so they'll probably be playing a uh, a uh, one is a uh, Older programs, one tape delay, uh, but uh, check it out anyway, because uh, he might be around. But anyway, that's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, eleven a.m. to one p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Later on Monday evenings, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Maria Kamban and Dr. Kamal Kamban. That's eight to nine on Monday evenings, and from nine to ten, Conversation Reparations and Cobra's program with host Brother Jamoke. On Tuesdays. 8 to 10 p.m. in the evenings, Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesdays, it's our time, the Black Farmers Program from 8 to 9. And from 9 to 10, Black Agenda Report with Dr. David Muhammad. On Fridays, time for an awakening is back from 8 until, and on Saturday, from 7 to 9 p.m., the elders of Sankofa with host Brother Alfonso Watkins. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening lively discussion as always and we'll be back on Friday Lord willing to continue on this path towards an awakening peace peace if you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Children playing after school. 
Save the children. To save the children. 